words appear. The email addresses and groups mentioned on this program no longer exist. Blind Like Me does exist in its new incarnation on groups.io. To join, send a blank email to blindlikeme plus subscribe at groups.io. That's blindlikeme plus subscribe at groups.io. I didn't start my watch. Let me let me get that. Now, Julian uh, Pellet, uh, do, do it one more time. I won't forget. Julian Pelletier. Pelletier. Yeah. Pelletier. Well, I'm I'm saying it the way you you said. The right name is the right pronunciation is Julian Pelletier. Pelletier. That sounds a bit strange, eh? Pelletier. Right. Pelletier. Now, I'm, you'll probably have to correct. I'm an old man, and you'll probably have to yeah. tell me that. But I'll no, remember your first... I'm, I'm an older man. I'll and remember Julian. I, I will remember that. I yeah, guarantee Julian. you. Julian. Try to retain Julian. We'll just call you Julian yeah. today, okay? And uh, you were... Where Where are you physically right yeah, now? I'm physically right now in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Montreal, Quebec, Canada, in yeah. your home, and you alluded to your age, sir. So how yeah, old are you? Well, I was born, uh, I know you're pretty fast at doing this. I was born May the 7th, 1935. 1935, so you're 69, right? Right. 69, well, that's uh, 69. I'm looking forward to it. It's yeah. coming up. Uh, I'm I'm 60, uh, how old am I? 64, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you knew that already, though, didn't you? Yes, you, I did. You listen to our... heard you... Mentioned it a few. <laughs> Listen to our little old shows, yeah. haven't you? Well, it seems like it's you're uh, doing very well for your age. Uh, was that your wife that answered the phone? Yes, yes, it was. And by yeah. the way, my wife doesn't speak English. They, they, that's I was going to say. The language in your home is French. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and as a matter of fact, uh, about ninety-nine percent of the time, I'm speaking French. Is that right? Yeah. When I was born, I was uh, in a French-speaking slum of Montreal. Very bad slum, and uh, uh, what is important in my case is to retain or to note that up until I was 18, I did not go to school, and I did not know a word of English. You did not go to school, and you did not know one word of English. What I mean is, I might have known yes and no. I think I did. But that would be about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Well, that's, uh... that's the thing to remember, to retain... While we try to talk about uh, 
my life. Now, a poor slum in Montreal, yes. and they spoke French there, and everyone around you spoke French, yes. and no one spoke English, no. and you and were... Most, and about 99% of the people around me didn't know English. And you were born totally blind? Well, just about. I mean, I had the light perception. I could see a few things. Uh -huh. I could read, you know, big prints on, the, on those uh, cornflake boxes and snow oh. boxes. And that's about it. Oh, you but, you, but you could read that big print. Yes, but what, yeah. what, what hurt me is my dad always said that I was just short-sighted, you know. And all the people thought that I had much more sight than I did. And, of course, boys came in the house and they said, how many fingers, you know. And to get out of it, I'd say, you always got five, you know. Yeah, uh, but you know? you, you, he, your dad couldn't admit the fact no, that his son, his boy, couldn't see. Because he didn't think that a blind person could live, could, could make a living. Well, he'd never been around any that were successful, no, so, no. so he would have no way of knowing. You can't really, I guess you can't blame him, but then a lot of parents don't think that, well, this couldn't, ha I couldn't have a blind child. This couldn't happen to me, not me, as a macho as I am, you know. You, especially, of course. Yeah. What, what he used to tell people I know, and he shouldn't have said that around me when I was a child, is that, well, you know, we do, we do our thinking, this is some other that has to do the best within the next, next nine months, so oh, he blamed yeah. the mother. Oh, yeah, blame, you know blame his, blame his, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But this was 1935, and we weren't at an educational level then. We didn't have the news then. We didn't have the TV then we've yeah. got now. So you started out in this slum. I guess that was pretty tough. You remember a lot about being oh, a yeah, youngster? Oh, yeah, I remember a lot of it because, you see, we were, we were the worst of the worst because of the personal psycho-emotional problems of my parents. See, my father was an alcoholic. He was a uh, compulsive gambler, and he was the, he had what they call today a character neurosis. And he was fighting all the time. He was fighting everyone. He was never happy. didn't like anyone. And mm. uh, he was moving on. No, 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 no stable. You know, every time my mother would go into the hospital for, uh, because she was bipolar. Yeah. Uh, that is what we call today bipolar. Now, a uh, few days back, we said uh, <coughs> depressive, you know. Uh, yeah. He was depressive. She was manic-depressive, yes. Yeah. yeah. Nowadays we call it bipolar because sometimes mm. they can get high. You know, they can, they, can have, they, can, they can have some highs. Yeah. But sometimes my mother would cry days and days on end, you know, and I was pretty insecure as, as a blind child, you know. And I and had a sister, but my sister didn't live what I lived because she, uh, she was looked upon as a good child of the family, my, 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 my personal family and the, and the extended family. And uh -huh. I was a bad child. And the good child cannot do wrong, no matter how hard he tries. Uh -huh. And the bad and the the bad child cannot do good, no matter how hard. No matter what they do. You now, so your mother would cry for several days, and then she would be just jubilant yeah, for several but days. Then, when, then she was suicidal in those those times. Oh, she was crying, man. and then she was taken to the hospital. And then whenever she was taken in, well, my father would sell the furniture, and we start all over again. So he would get drunk and sell the furniture to buy oh, alcohol, yeah. and 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 so the, the the cycle started again. Yes, yes, and that's why I remember that. I remember today when I was thinking about your call. I was I remember a Christmas when I was about five, and uh, we, my father and I, because some many times I, I found myself alone with him because my sister was somebody else with some families, and, and your mother was crying, and, and my yeah. mother was in the hospital. Yeah, because. By the way, no nobody would take me in the family because they said he's blind, so we can't take him. So we don't want him, yeah. So no. I had to stay with my father. 
And then uh, that Christmas, my uh, the Christmas Eve, my father said, "I'm, I'm going for a beer. You know, I'll be right back." And then he came back just uh, Boxing Day, you see. So I spent the whole Christmas in that uh, burnt-out uh, store um, uh, alone. And so, so he, but he didn't come back until the next day. Yeah, the next, well, the night, he didn't even come back at Christmas time. He came back the next day. Ah, and, you know, yeah. I was hearing, I was thinking today, I was hearing the um, people walking by, children, everyone seemed to be happy, and I was alone in there, and I said, I was thinking, what am I doing here? You know, and I was yeah. very sad. You know, I mean, well, it is sad. It's terrible. I mean, there there are kids worse off than you, but that's pretty bad. Yeah, it's, that's pretty bad, and my it, boy. It's hard to take for a blind for a person for a blind child child because you, you're defenseless. You don't you can't do anything. You know, you, you, you I there. go out. I, I didn't know where to go. Uh, you know. Yeah. That's well, and that would be traumatic. I mean, that would scar you emotionally. There's no question about it. Uh, okay, so you were, you were with your father. Now, now there came a time at, at age six when the rest of the kids went off to school. What did yeah. they do with you? What well, did you they... see, well, well, Phil, it's like that you ask the question. My right. father said, "I've never been to school, and I'm I'm doing well in life." Well, <laughs> he wasn't doing so well, by the way. Wasn't doing worth thought, a damn. Hey? He thought he didn't know that. No, he didn't know that. So he said, "You won't go to school because, well." Why would a blind guy go to school for? What shoes is that? So what is idea? One of his ideas was to have me raise chickens. So when I was about eight, he bought about twenty-five chickens. Like Wait a chickens. minute! To have a blind person raise chickens? Yeah, yeah. He thought that I, that'd be my my living my livelihood. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Good heavens! <laughs> That's nuts! Crazy! Well, Crazy! I know. Well, everybody, everybody thought he was crazy, by the way. Well, he was. Obviously, he was. And yeah. so they bought these chickens. What happened? Well, you see, we were right in the heart of Montreal, a city of a million people. So about a week after the, the neighbors, what do you think they thought? They called you, the police. You, you can't have chickens in the middle of Montreal. <laughs> yeah. And then that was the, I ended my, my, my career as a chicken handler. That, that was it for right that? Then, right then and there. How old were you when he tried this little experiment? About eight. We're going to let Julian raise chickens, and, yeah. and so the last couple of weeks they called the police, made you get rid of them. Yeah. So what did you do all day? They didn't wouldn't send you to school. Oh my goodness! You know, Phil, my childhood and uh, teenage years is is being lonesome, being nothing to do. Uh, I, I was alone in my backyard, and my sister all summer she she went to uh, some my aunts or my cousins or in the in the, in the country. See, many people went in the country in the summer cottages. And uh, they said, we can't take him, he's blind, you know what I mean? So I stayed alone in my yard, and I didn't do anything, and uh, I was alone. And you, and you, and, and I guess this was, this was in the 1940s. About that, yeah. And so they were, there wasn't the system there is nowadays, some neighbor would report him for doing that. No. And they would, they, the no. authorities would come and take you to the blind school. Yes, I'm a, as a matter of fact. Years later, I worked for them, you see, so I know, for youth protection. You see, it's funny. You work for youth protection. It's, it's paradoxical, amazing. you see. I worked yeah, for them. So it is. There was no system like that. Nothing. Nothing like that. So you were just alone by yourself. And there was no compulsory schooling or attending school. No. I mean, and, that, and there was no law for that in Quebec. So, and, uh, you know, you didn't, you didn't really have to go to school if you didn't want to. You know, so, well, you see. Yeah, and and you couldn't see enough to get around, so you were just at the house alone no, by yourself. I see enough to get around. No did way. they? Did they? How did, did they? Did they feed? They sure did. They fed you. 
Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Well, but my dad was most, the, the most, I think, the most, the longest time he kept a job was about a month. So many a time we were on, uh, on welfare or, you know, me and my sister, we had to go and beg. Because he, he, many a time, you see, we, weren't, we didn't have a home. So, um, so oh, take once, my father was a janitor for a, 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 girl, a, school, a private school for the girls in the secondary school. Uh-huh. And those girls were very rich girls. That went there. Yeah. So he, he parked me in the front of the school when the girls come out, and uh, he asked me to beg, but I didn't beg. I didn't even have to. He took pity on me. Now they, they all gave me some money. See? Yeah, yeah. You know, they said, "What are you doing here?" I said, yeah, "Well, my father is a janitor." So I heard some of the girls say, "Oh yeah, that's the crazy guy that we looked that we saw around that, that you know yesterday." I bet that and, you know, didn't. This that... is what I heard about him. I bet that didn't last long, did it? No, yeah. about a month. Yeah, so he'd, he'd get a job, and then he'd get drunk and lose the job. And, yeah, and then and... he worked at night in the um, in a bakery, and I slept there a few nights. The guys came up and woke me up and gave me some donuts. Right. Everyone took pity on me. You know, they, they didn't know what to think about that. You know? Yeah, it, it's all funny now, but it's tragic. I mean, it's all, it's all you know, you've done obviously well, and, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But this is, it's that's just very sad. It's, I mean, it's a... It's almost medieval, you know. It's but you say I try not to think about that, but you know, I, I know today that I have to think about it a little bit. Well, I don't want to bring up any bad memories, but I think this is—it's uh, good for. Oh, the, I slept in a stable. Yeah. I slept in a um, uh, in a very rich man's house. One day, my father said, uh, "We don't have any place to sleep, so go. I'll I'll stand here and go to that door." And you knew that guy that, that was rich, and, he, and I come up and about six or seven, I said, "Sir." I don't have any place to sleep. And he said, well, come in. Then. And then my dad come up then. He said, oh, yeah, you're not alone. I thought you were alone. And, and then we slept in, in his basement that night, and we had bear skins, you know, to sleep on. And yeah. I was, I thought it was the most marvelous night because it was warm, you know. Yeah. And uh, because my father, many of the time, he left me out of the beer parlor, you see. And you see, we're not in Texas, you know, in Montreal, you know. Uh, it fell, and in the winter, it gets pretty cold. And I felt cold. I felt very cold. Sometimes I felt so cold that I was sleepy. And when you're sleepy, when you're yeah. cold, yeah, you're fixing it means to die. that you're pretty cold. That means that you're, you're hypothermia. You, you, could, you could die. You could go to sleep and die. You are getting there, you see. That's right. But mind you, what I'm telling you now, I didn't know at the time, you see. I just thought about it way. Well, you, you, were just a, you were just a kid. But you I didn't, didn't understand. You didn't understand. That's right. And I, you, did, so I he couldn't would... understand. That. <clears throat> and I couldn't understand that I couldn't. Trust my parents to support me in anything. You see, I mean, I, yeah. I, I knew that from the, from very very early, but that made just me sad. You see. Now, uh, he was so he would leave you out front. He would go in the beer parlor and drink. You see, here's the thing, Phil, that I could never understand: is that in the summer he'd say, "I go and have a beer to cool myself." In the winter he'd say, "Hey, I got to I got to have a beer to warm myself." And I never could figure out how the same thing. Yeah. It would warm you and cool you at the same time. It was a conundrum. You know what I mean? Yes. So it remained a mystery to me at that time. <laughs> you know? You know, I, I, let me say one thing. You have the nicest laugh, uh, the way of talking and, and laughing yeah. as you as you, as you you talk. You just have, I don't know you. I've never met you, but I would think that you'd be a pleasant person 
to have a nice cold beer with. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. I uh, wouldn't deny one. You know, no, me. I'm sure you wouldn't. So he'd leave you outside, and you were cold and hungry, and it was just a bad... And uh, I remember one day one, one, one woman come out and say, you know, I was like a, like a, a poor child. I mean, you know, yeah. and took, she said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm waiting for my dad. You know, you know, she was, she said, yeah. kind of bummed that, you know, and then she said, where you live, where you live? I said, uh, I, I told her my address, I knew it at the time, even though we'd been there only a couple of months, and then yeah. she took me to my place, and she started, you know, giving it to my mother, then my mother started crying and crying, and then the, then the woman left and saying, what can I do? Really? Yeah, there's nothing she could do. All right, I'll tell you what, let's take a break, and we want, to, we want to come to the first time you realized, I've got to do something or I'm going to be, and yeah. I'm never going to. Because there had to come an epiphany. You had to go, okay, I've had enough. I'm leaving. I'm, do, I'm doing something. Yeah. Back in just a minute with more of our little show called Blind Like Me. Pelletier is here with us from, uh, he's in Quebec, Canada right now, and uh, from his home, and had a very bad childhood. Father was an alcoholic, mother was the, what they call bipolar or uh, manic depressive. Manic depressive. Manic depressive. I've been around some of them. I thought I was one time. But anyway, they're, 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 drugs will treat that, but if, uh, a manic depressive left alone can cause a lot of problems oh, yeah. in the family. My heavens. An electric shock. Oh, my. So at some point in time, at age some age, you must have decided I got to do something. What, what, what happened? But I tell you, I got to tell you a few things before that. Okay. If you don't mind. Sure. When I was uh, about ten, there was this friend of mine. I had a, I had one just one friend, and this friend I had because I didn't know at the time, but I knew until later on that he was he had epileptic fits, you know, uh -huh. epileptic uh, seizures, seizures, and yeah. he, he didn't go to school. So you know. A guy that didn't go to school, you know, when there weren't there were too many around, you know. Yeah. Apart from me, he was the only one. And he used to, what he did is, he, he'd run, he'd take a run at me, 
you know, a frenzy run, and he, and he jumped in the air and fought on my shoulders. Really? I was, when I was sitting down on my, on my, uh, my balcony. Uh-huh. And when I, one day I got up, not, not meaning badly, and he fell and fell on his head. Oh, my. And uh, he, he hurt himself, not, not too badly, no, no, no fracture or anything, but, you know, it bled a lot. Oh, my. Everyone said that I was crazy, I was insane, I was mad, and then, you know, they took a petition to send me in the insane asylum. Oh, because I was heavens. looked upon, you know, a guy that is blind and who um, doesn't do anything, doesn't do anything. You know, people looked at it a uh, bit suspiciously, even in, in our part of the, the woods, you see. Yes. And uh, it didn't work. Finally, they dropped it. And, uh, but they were going to send you, not only were you cold and hungry, but they were going to send you to an insane asylum where yeah. you'd be around mental uh, patients uh, all the time. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the only good thing about that is they might have fed you and kept you warm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, what, that's what actually, you, you, you're right. Some people even said you don't have bed and room. You know what I mean? You don't need to have bed and, 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 uh, and food. At least he'll be away from these crazy parents of his. Yeah. But they didn't do it. But in well, this, it didn't. It, I don't know what happened finally. You know, my parents, my dad fought around and he... Hired a lawyer and he didn't pay him, and the lawyer sued him. Oh my goodness! And then we moved from there. We, when we moved, we moved not far. We could move about three doors because you see, just to see my father. Where he was one day. The um, the owner came in and he said, "Look, uh, sir, uh, you're paying twelve dollars a week, uh, twelve dollars a month for this uh, this shack, you know. Yeah. Now I'm I'm raising the thing. I'm raising it to thirteen dollars." And my father, you know. I won't take that outrageous race. I'm gone. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine today. Eh? Oh, yeah. 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 And then, what, you see, what happened is there are many other things that happened, but it happened, the thing happened when I was 16. Okay. When I was 16, my, my mother had another psychosis, uh, psychotic episode. Uh-huh. He went in, and my father sold everything, and he disappeared. He just he left. We, we, we couldn't find him. So my relatives said, look, we'll take you in, but not for long, you know. You're blind, and we don't want to be bothered with, them, with you. Yeah. And then they, they got an idea. Send me in, you know, confine me. Put me away in an insane asylum. Because, you see, they couldn't see what I could do otherwise. You know, I didn't know anything. I was 16. I was blind. Had never been to school, didn't know Braille, didn't know anything. Yeah, no, no. So didn't know English, didn't know anything. You see, in those days, it wasn't far, so far-fetched in this way that they had done it from their grandfather. Yeah. Their grandfather, they, it bothered them, bothered them. So you, in those days, you paid a psychiatrist. He signed you up in the room and board for the rest of your life. Yeah. Well, when I, I overheard them saying that, you know. So, <clears throat> on my... I was doing something myself. <clears throat> I, was <clears throat> I was looking for school. Yeah. But everyone was telling me that at 16, too bad, too late. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Until I get upon a, what we call in Quebec, a notary. It's a lawyer that deals with real estate. Uh-huh. We call it a notary in Quebec. And this guy said, what? Look, I believe in you. You, you seem to me that, don't seem to me, <clears throat> don't seem to me to be, to, to me to be, too stupid. Insane or anything. He said, yeah. I'm going to try to get you somebody to pay for you. Because I had heard of this school in Brantford, Ontario. This school in Brantford, Ontario <clears throat> dealt with people, the blind people in Ontario and the West. That okay. Is Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta. All right. <clears throat> and um, 
I asked them to ride up to them, and they, they, they wrote back and said, we'll take him. But, uh, right, right away they said they'd take you. Yeah, yeah. it's five hundred dollars a week, uh, five hundred dollars a year. Oh, no money. I, I didn't even. I never had five bucks in my pocket. Yeah, at the time. <clears throat> so he said, "I'm going to find you a guy that'll pay for it." The guy said, "I want to be anonymous, <clears throat> but he has to succeed. If he doesn't succeed, well, I'll stop paying. You know, yes, I'll sir. pay for the first year." Okay. And <clears throat> and then that's it. So you went to the school for so the blind. When I got there, Phil. Um, I knew just one thing uh-huh. that I didn't know anything. You knew you, that you, I knew. You knew you were aware that you didn't know anything. I knew it was ignorance. <laughs> and then the first the first day I was there, I love it. Um, I love it. The first day I was there, they asked me my name, <clears throat> of course, and I said I tried to say it. You know what I mean? I, well, I, first of all, I didn't understand. So they got me some guys that were. That's what learning friends. Oh, wait a minute. These folks were speaking English. Oh, yeah. And you didn't know any English? No. So ah. he got a guy that, uh, <clears throat> that, that, that was learning French. A, a translator, yeah. In, in the 11th year, grade 12 year, you know what I mean? And this guy said, what's your name? I said, in French. And he was, no. I said, Julius. And then we were all, we were all in line to go to, the, to, the, to, go to breakfast, you see. Uh-huh. Everyone heard Julius. So they laughed out, they laughed, and they laughed, and they said, Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar. And from then on, Phil, I swear, they never called me Julian. You were Julius Caesar from then on. Yeah, for good. Yeah, Yeah, for good. But at least at this place was not cold, and they were fixing to feed you. Yeah. It was a warm place, and we were much better off here. But then, that was the language, at least. And that was the, you see, I want to apologize if anyone... That was there at the time is listening. I want to apologize and say that I never told them and they never knew that I was that I knew nothing when I got there. Yeah. So you see they asked me things in French. Say the people that were learning learning French, they come up to me. How do you say that? So one girl one day called me about, about two months after I was there and she said, Hey, Julius was always Julius, remember? Yeah, Julius. Julius yeah. Would you say Greece monkey in French? I said, What? And in my thought, what's, what's a grease monkey? I thought it meant, she meant a fat or fatty monkey. Little fat monkey, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't know. I said, I don't yeah. know what you mean. I said, you know these guys that work in garages, you know? Oh, yeah. And I said, I gave her a name. I, I said anything. Yeah. Then she said that in school. And then the French teacher came up to me and said, look, I don't want you to be stupid with my students now. Come on now. Don't tell them all anything and anything about friends. You know, if you, if you want to make jokes, don't do it. Yeah. But I still didn't say anything. You know, I, she, she thought I knew friends, of course. I, I could speak, but I had no, no, writ, no uh, <coughs> academic knowledge. All, all you knew was how to talk, how to ask for yeah. food. And, and then the, the, some other guys made jokes. You know, sometimes in class we had to tell jokes. And this guy come up to me and says, you'll say this joke. What did the record player say to the record? Uh-huh. I didn't understand. He said, it, it said, let me over and give me a piece. And when I said that in class, everyone burst out laughing, and the teacher said, why do you swell? Why, why are you so vulgar, Julian, you know? Yeah. And I, I still didn't know this. I, I didn't want to tell her. Tell you didn't, you didn't understand. You just didn't, you really didn't understand. No. You were trying to, were they trying to, was there some, uh, some, were they trying to teach you English or what? Pardon me? Oh, yeah, I must, I have to say that I don't know why, 
but they put me in grade 7. They put you in the 7th grade? When I got there. Well, yeah. And uh, this other guy, we, were, we had to write a composition, you know what I mean? And this guy said, you know, you, you know an old lady around your place in Montreal? Now, it's, 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 it's been, I have been there a few months, and I started to know something, you know? Yeah. And uh, I said, oh, yeah. And he said, in your composition, you just say, when you meet her, I met the old hag down the street. Yeah. And I said, I wrote that. And then she got down on me. And then the, the guy, what do you believe? And so he started laughing away. And she said, Earl, come up here. And she yeah. said, you did that to, to Julius. You, you, you told Julius to yeah. do this. And yes. He, first of all, he denied it. But then, uh, yeah. you know what I mean? And um, the second, well, the second year I was there. Oh, yeah. When I come back at the first year for Christmas time, my... My extended family really got on me. They said, why do you want to do that? Now, are you finished school? You know, my sister had the right to go 12 years in school, and me three months was too much. Yeah. And one of my aunts said, you got a one-track mind. She said, you want to go to school. What will school do you? You're blind. Well, 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 what, what will school do to you? You're blind. How will it do you any good? Yeah, it won't do you any good. So you might as well stay here. And then she had her idea. Send me over today and say the silent, you see. Okay, but this friend of yours that had gotten you into school first. Yeah. He he took you back or he made you so saw that you got to go back to school? Oh or? yeah. He, well I, see the first year the first year I passed. Just yeah. passed. You know what I mean? You you I passed. Million, but I passed. You actually passed. Year, and and by then you had learned some English. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. The second by the time I got there the second year, I was very surprised that I learned I learned quite a bit. And then one of the guys in my class said, you know something, Julian, or Julius? At the end of the year, you're going to be first of the class. You're going to be first in your class. Like, and I said, you're laughing, you're making fun of me. Come on, don't, don't play tricks on me. Yeah. And he was right. And so you graduated, you were first in your class at the end Absolutely of that year. Absolutely, first for the rest of the time that I've, I've been there. I was there. Well, okay, but by then you weren't the new kid anymore. You no. knew some English, and so things, good things started to happen. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you you were in the top of the class from then on. Yeah. But I was surprised. I surprised myself. Because well, everyone told me that it was too late to learn. You know, in Montreal. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Well, so people, I, were, they thought different then. It was, times were different, and, uh, you know. So I couldn't even, and over there, you know, you had gym, you had the shop, you had the piano tunia, all sorts of things that I didn't even know it existed, you see. Did they, did, they, did they start teaching you Braille? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I took Braille, and I had the, the Perkins. We had the Perkins Braille right away. All right. And so you learned you learned to write Braille. And, you and I learned the, the uh, manual typewriter, you know. I was not the best at it because I know there was a couple of girls in the class that was, you know, they, 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 have, they, they, have, take, they, they have taken piano for many years. I think uh -huh. that's why they were very fast. Uh -huh. And I couldn't keep up with them, you know, on the typewriter. And the teacher, you know, she kept, come on, come on, go faster. And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do it. And just at the end, when it was over, I was just getting to them. But, you know, it was a bit late. Well, but you did fine. I mean, you, you did all right for a kid who had never gone to school and never done anything, you know. And listen to this. At the I end think, of, yeah. uh, when, I, when I left Brantford, well, the, the superintendent called me and he said, well, you know, what are you, what are you going to be doing now? And I said, well, I'd like to go on to college, you know. And he said, you know, I got a guy here that wants to finance you. 
Now, this was when you graduated or yeah, when you got ready to rather, leave the school. So yeah, we're up I, now. We're up now to about 1953, right? 54. Oh, later on, 57 something. about that. 57. So yeah. you were. And you then were, he said, uh, I got this guy. And he said, I want to tell you something. I want you to thank your family. Because without your, their support, you couldn't have done it. And he still didn't know that I didn't know anything when I got there. You didn't have a family. No, of course not. No. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. You're right. So uh, I said, oh, sure, 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 certainly. You know what I mean? I, I, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I covered it up. Uh, yeah. I, because you see, what, what I'm telling you now, I never, never told him. I never told that in public. Yet. I was too guilty. I felt very guilty and ashamed. Like it was your fault. I have this childhood and, and, and teenage uh, that's that's pretty common. You thought it was your fault. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. They, I they, they, it yeah. At least partly my fault. Okay, but we've got you out of You graduated high school here, the blind school in Canada. Yeah. Then right. you want me to go on to, you want me to get, okay, then I'm, I'm yeah. in Ottawa the next year. Okay. In St. Patrick's College. And then we were, I, 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 I lived in, and there were about 30 guys in there. And there's an incident, because... As far as schooling is concerned, I, you know, I took political science, psychology, uh, uh, sociology, but it was all right. You know what I mean? I, 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 there's nothing to say about that. I, uh, you know, I was doing all right. You know I mean? and, and so you were, you were in college. Oh, yeah. And, and you wanted to, what did you think you wanted to do with well, I wanted, well, I wanted to, be, to become a social worker. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's good. Which I did, eventually. And yeah. so, there's an incident. You see, there were, there were, were there two, of, two of us by, per room, you see? And one day, you see, I want to tell you something that's funny, I think. Okay. Um, the, um, the, uh, the, in Ontario, you couldn't buy liquor. You couldn't buy booze. Oh. It was very difficult. Yeah. But then, because you, had need the, you needed a permit, you needed to go in certain places, you needed to be a certain age and show certain things. And we couldn't do it. So, but across the river from Ottawa, I was home, which was in Quebec. And in Quebec, you could do anything you wanted, like that. Yeah. So... I said to him, I said, let's, let's go and buy a, a bottle of booze uh, in Hall. So he said, all right. You know, and we did that. And we so had, he, uh, he had a car, and he took you? And then some guys came in one day, and they saw us, uh, you know. Have, so he said, hey, I want some. So I, told, I, so I said, yeah, okay, okay let's, we'll give you a glass. But, I mean, you know, we don't want to, we don't yeah. want to serve the whole uh, 30 guys now. Mm-hmm. So when, when that guy had left, I said, look to, to my friend, I said, why don't we buy a few bottles and sell it, you know? So much the shot. He said, well, that's good, that's good. <laughs> so we did that for about three months. So you were a bootlegger there in college for yeah, about three, three or four months. months. <laughs> did they but catch then you? then one day something happened. We almost got kicked out. Is that one of the guys, I told my friend, I said, look, that guy, no more. He's got, he's got enough tonight, you know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't listen to me. And then we had to go to the, the, the chapel with the priest for a, a ceremony, you see? And, uh, yeah, because they wanted to tell you that drinking was a sin and you shouldn't do it, and it no, was. Well, well, they still didn't know at the time. That oh. No, no. Oh. It, no, it was a regular thing that we had to, to attend. Okay. While we were in there, that guy that had too much, when he went to kneel, he fell down right on his face <laughs> in the chapel. <laughs> so the priest, after the ceremony, he called him up and he said, What's happening here? He didn't talk, he didn't say anything. So then they got all of us. All of us in the big room, and they said, who's done that? Nobody talked. So that ended there. 
So now you were the only blind person at this college. Yes, yes. Okay, but these kids uh, respected you, and because you were, you were, you had, uh, you well, were. You, we're pretty happy, especially that he was pretty plastered. You know what I mean? So yeah. We thought that he might talk. You know what I mean? When, yeah. you, when you're feeling good, uh, you know. Oh, I know. I know. I've been there. Yeah. And the next day I saw him. I said, "Look." Oh, he said, "I will. I never." He said, "You could have tortured me to, to, to death." She said, "I would." I would never have told. Oh no. Yeah. He said, "You were nice enough to to sell me the stuff." You know what I mean? <laughs> But, but Anyone you, could have done it, mind you, but, but no one you thought didn't, of, you didn't, about it. You didn't get kicked out, and they didn't catch you, and they didn't arrest you or anything. No, no, no. No, no, okay. But that was the end of it. And that ended your career as a bootlegger. Yeah, yeah. All right, how long? Now, you had friends at this college, and oh, you, yeah, you had a I good time. very good friends. When I was there, just for a year, just a year. Then just, the next year, I went to the University of Ottawa, where okay. I spent three years. Okay, so you, this was a little, this college, this first year was, uh, that was just a little small college? More or less. And at the University of Ottawa, for the first time in my life, I, yeah. took, I took some courses in French. Because, you see, it's a bilingual university. You could take the same course in French or English. And I, uh-huh. I looked upon the courses, and the, I took the French one when it suited me for the time it was given. You see what I mean? Uh-huh. When, say, say I didn't want one in, in the evening. See, the, the English one was in the evening, and the French one was in the, in the afternoon. So you took the French. French. Yeah. All right. And, and you did three years at the University of Ottawa. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, and, and got a degree in what? Oh, I got a degree in, um, in uh, psychology and political science and, well, oh. minor in history and, some, uh, and, and uh, Greek art, Greek uh, classics. In minor. You did all this in four years? Oh, yeah. I took, uh, took a lot of courses. I mean, uh, you did? I even took some, some summer courses. And in Ottawa, in, you see, right now in Montreal, it's 82 Fahrenheit. And for us, it's very hot. You know, very, very hot. Yeah. And in Ottawa, it gets very hot and very damp and very muggy. And that course, these courses in the summer, you sweat, my friend. You sweat and you sweat and you sweat and you sweat. But no- I still took them. I said, I want to... I want to go ahead, you know what I mean? Then when I got my bachelor, I came to Montreal and I went to University of Montreal, where I got my master's degree in social work. So you went on and got a postgraduate degree in yes, social yes, work. Yes. All right, let's stop right there and, and take a, a second little break, and we'll come back and talk about what you're doing now and uh, what you did after you got out of college. Right. And more of uh, Blind Like Me uh, in just a second. Gotta say a couple things before you go Even though I know that we're finished I don't want you to leave without knowing Just where I'm coming from, babe Blind Science Here's a website our crack research team certifies Screen reader friendly Now, with this week's Blind Science Here's Tim Cummings If you're in the market for any kind of bag, perhaps a new suitcase, a new carrying case for your laptop, a briefcase, a wallet, a duffel bag, a knapsack, then you should take a look at www.ebags.com. They've got quite a selection of different kind of carrying cases. Perhaps you need a case for your cell phone, a case for your CDs. Any kind of carrying case. They have quite a selection at quite a wide price range. I just picked up a new briefcase for my wife. She needed something very light that she could carry around, and I was able to find what I needed. 
The site is very screen reader friendly. I would give it a screen reader friendly rating of a 9. And you should check it out. www.ebags.com Until next time, this is Tim Cummings saying, keep on blind sighting. If you found a screen reader friendly website you'd like us to mention, send your email to blindlikeme, all one word, at txucom.net. And join us again next time for Blind Sight. We are back with the part three. Uh, Julian uh, Pelletier is with us, if, and uh, we've been visiting with him. He's had quite a life, a bad childhood, uh, but ended up at a school for the blind in Canada, then uh, went on to college and got a master's degree in uh, in uh, what? Now, your master's was is in what? Well, no, no, the master's was in social work. In social, social work. work, yeah. So you wanted to help other blind people, yes, or yes. that was that's what you wanted to do? Yes. All right, so that was a postgraduate degree. Took how many years? Took three years? Took two, no, two years. Took two years. Two, yeah. so, so you had six years of college. Yeah, yeah, about that. And we've got you, uh, you were kind of a late starter, so we've got oh, yeah. you to almost 30 by oh, now, pretty right? Old. I'm, just, I'm, 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 I'm hitting 30, yeah. We're getting you up close to 30. I'm I, getting uh, an old man there. Yeah, now, had you lost your sight completely? Oh, yeah, pretty, well, pretty well. I just had light perception. Just light, which is about what it's you had. It's about that time that I met my wife. Is that right? She was... Uh, um, one of my uh, my uh, my uh, neighbor's uh, niece, and so I really didn't think that I would marry. You know why? Because my mother gave me a pretty bad idea of uh, what women thought of men. Because my mother always said that uh, women didn't need men. Well, wow. I remember at one time when I was about ten or twelve, this girl down the street, you know, she told me, she said, "You know, my sister Pierrette, she's getting married," and. Uh, I went to, I told my mother, I said, you know, Pierre is getting married. Pierre was about 18, 19. I pulled, as far as I'm, when you're 12, a girl of 19 is a big, big, big girl, eh? And she said, why would she want to get married? She had a good job. She was a clerk at the bank, you know. And uh, she had a good job. I said, why would she want to get married? She didn't need to bother with a man, you know. So then it got me the idea that women are interested in men only for money. Your, your mother gave you this idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't think she was really happy with me and with uh, my father. And I don't think she, had, she didn't give me the idea that she ever liked men. Because she liked my sister a great deal, you know. And uh, she, she always uh, gave her the first place. And, you know, one day my sister, when I was 12, she, she threw me in a, in a pond in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a park, you know, near to our place. About the, a pond that had uh, seven or eight feet. I was walking along that. And she, she came along and she pushed me in there. I almost drowned. I didn't know to swim at the time. And uh, when I came back all wet, my mother said, why did you tease your sister? You know what I mean? Why did you bother her? It had, it had to be your fault. Oh, yeah. So mm, I met well. my wife, and uh, we married, and then I started working. Mm-hmm. I started well. working. What, what I was very surprised, too, is that uh, two or three people came to the university, and they asked me to go to work for them. So I... You know, I thought that I'd never find a job in my in the world. You know what I mean, even though I had this master's degree, I, I didn't think I'd find a job that well. You, did, that you, did, you didn't think you'd be able to find a job even with a master's degree? Of course. Yeah. Because you see, I tell you something, uh, Phil. It's because 
even though strangers or other people tell you you're good, if your parents don't tell you that, it's not the same. Yeah, that's true. You know what that, I mean? That, that's true. Because I worked myself with, say, a, a, a teenager. They say two years. I mean, you would work with them, and then the parents would, well, I would disappear, would come back, and they'd say something, a few words, and everything is destroyed almost. It's my dad that says My mother that says that. We, we all have an ego, and we yeah. all, at certain times, we need okay, that yeah. ego stroke. Anybody yeah. that says uh, they don't is, is wrong. And that you, ego must you know, be strengthened it, by our parents. Yes, it must. It I must mean, be. I remember this guy, this guy I placed in a home. The best, I mean, the foster home, the best, the best foster home in the world. And one day he, he, he left. You know, he, he, how do you say that? He he left, you know, on, on, on other eyes, like, you know. He, he ran away. He escaped. He, ran away. he, he escaped. He ran away. Okay. okay. And then I said, look, you got a good home. He said, yes. I said, they're good people. He said, yes. I said, why do you do that? He said, they're not my parents. They're not my parents. Hmm. Well, and so you, what, what do you, you uh, work for, do you work for the Commission for the Blind in, in so Canada? No, 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 no. I, you work for... Didn't, I, first of all, I did, I did my master's thesis with... Older people, you uh-huh. know, people who um, lived at home. I wanted to know why did they live at home? Is it because, uh, you know, why don't they want to go into uh, foster homes? Like, you know what I mean? And uh, uh-huh. I found that uh, it's not because of the money. It's not because uh, they've got a poor home. It's, they only they only want to go there if they want to uh, relinquish their their freedom for security. You see, when when a person feels I need security, I cannot do it anymore on my own. <clears throat> then I go there, but I'll, I'll I'll have less freedom, but I'll have more security. You see. In other words, trading freedom for security. I'm summing up my uh, my thesis, my 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 master's. That that's what your thesis yeah, was on. I uh, interviewed fifty people, and it was very very scientific. I mean, I was checked and rechecked, and I had to rewrite things over and over and over. Yeah, I'm you, telling you, when I was finished, I, I was pretty happy. You interviewed how many people? Fifty. Fifty people? Yeah. Now, how did you do that? How, how, well, I did it with my wife. She wasn't my wife at that time, but we just... We just. Oh, and she can see? Yeah, yeah. She, okay. She's, uh... She can see normally. She drives the car? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Good. That's the kind of women I like, the ones that drive cars. Of course. Oh, no, I like blind women, too, but, you know. Well, I, I remember one day I told the secretary, my secretary, I said, you know something? You know, I drive the car, and my my wife tell me, tells me where to turn, this and that. And yeah. A few minutes later, I heard her say, talk to another secretary, and said, you know, Julian can drive. <laughs> and then I, I said, I'm going to cut it out right away. I said, look, it's, it's a joke, you know, come on now. I, I didn't want her to, to spit it all up. Okay, but you have done that. Hey, eh? You have done that. <laughs> you have driven the car and let your wife tell you which way to yeah. go. Because I have, too. Yeah. I have, too. I've owned lots of cars and lots of wives. And, but many. You know, lots of wives. Whoa. Well, I've had three or four or oh, five. Boy. I can't remember how many. I I'll count. never get to your... To your well, I did. I hope not. But anyway, <laughs> so you, you did this. And you know, but something, well, something is true, too, though, Phil. Whenever... My wife gets to a uh, place, and you know, she asks me, "Is it right or wrong, uh, right or left that I turn here?" I, and I've always thought, I always thought she wanted to make me feel good, but she, she tells me I, she really don't know. And yeah. I know it's so easy. I find, I found, I find that it's so obvious to me. You see, you know your way around the city. Oh yeah, yeah. So when I started to work, <clears throat> I was an intake 
for two years. All I did was to receive the first people you know, the, that came without the uh, appointment or that uh, just passed by and uh -huh. they wanted this, they wanted that. Yeah. And then I went into, paradoxically, I went into alcoholism and drug addiction. And okay. I worked with alcoholics and drug people that uh, had a family. They, they, must, they, must have, they, they should have, I mean, I, I wouldn't take uh, people alone, but they were those that had a family. Uh, children and a wife, uh -huh. and we used a great deal the um, the uh, the cassette. You know that <clears throat> we uh, we used um, how do you call it? Um, uh, we took pictures, like you know. Okay, uh, uh, you you used the cassettes for what? Now you lost yeah, me. They, well, when we had the interviews, we, okay, we, we recorded them. Okay, you record them, and then you instead of making notes, you record them. Yeah. No, what I mean, I was working with a partner. Another girl. Okay. And then we, uh, we did, I, got, I forgot the word. I, I'm pretty nervous, maybe. We used a lot of video. Okay. And yeah. sometimes we show them back something that we wanted them to know, you know, to understand their uh -huh. behavior. Yeah. And for instance, this girl, this woman, she had been seeing us for about four or five times and talking about negatively about her mother. Uh, negatively about her mother. And then, but when we showed her back what she was doing, she said, do I ever look like my mother? It's unbelievable. She was acting just like her mother. Yeah. yeah. So that helped her understand a few things. Just yeah. like seeing that. I'm that's good. An example. Uh, okay, that, that, that's, that's good because uh, that's, that oftentimes that happens. Then I worked with uh, delinquent teenagers. For a few years, then I went to uh, abandon children. That that was pretty hard for me to do because uh, I, I I was I always felt I was one, you know. And and so it brings back all these memories of, of what but, the uh, places. But right now, been. what I'm doing, I'm working with uh, uh, legal adoption and um, um, reunion. See, I'm I'm. Um, I'm, I'm doing some research to find out. Let's say uh, um, a woman wants to to see to meet with her uh, daughter that she gave up for adoption. You know, oh, yeah, t twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, okay. we find them. I could tell you a thing that uh, I didn't know. Of course, I'm I'm there for. I've been there for five years. So, and uh, I want to tell you something that I didn't know because I didn't know anything about the legal adoption before. Uh -huh. Is that many Americans came to Montreal. To adopt children, <clears throat> and so what we have now when we find a child that's now an adult, he's living in Indiana, in California, in Florida. Yeah. I never had one in Texas yet, but uh, in, uh, in Georgia, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, then this guy or this girl comes to Montreal and meets his mother, but the mother doesn't know English many a time. So you have a son and daughter that. And speak to each other too well. So you got to interpret for you. Got yeah, to translate I got to do it. No, I say to them, well, uh, please, one of them will have to try to learn a few words of the other. Now, now you are trying to help the parents and not the kids. You're trying to help people yeah. who gave up children. Yeah, that's right. Okay, now do you use the Internet as a, as a resource? Well, we use you... yes a lot. We use a lot of the, we use the Internet a lot. We use all sorts of other things. We use the social work, international, that they call that. There is a a movement that is a worldwide, you know, that they, they, they deal especially with um, children that have been, um, how do you call taken away, like, uh, yeah. snapped away. Yeah. You know? 
by by say uh, a parent that didn't have that didn't uh, have the legal right to. So kidnapped the child and took the yeah, child away. They, okay. They did mostly with kidnapping. They did mostly with they do mostly with they deal mostly with kidnapping. But and, uh, they do help us find people. And so now the kid has grown up, and the parent, the other parent, wants to, yes. to locate the child. Now, is is this? Who do you work for? I mean, what what is it? Well, a, I work for work an for? agency that is for, that is funded 100 percent by the uh, Quebec government. Okay. Right now, this is right now. This I work there. Yeah. So you're a government employee now. Yes, I'm a. Uh, yeah, I'm and, a public and the servant. Public, well, the public servant. That's hey. better. That's better. And this, uh, and 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 this agency that you work for, what is its primary function? Well, my primary function actually is to research the people and have the reunion. Right now, because I've done a bit of uh, legal adoption, but now we we have no kids. I mean, you know, people want to adopt. Yeah. They have to go to China. They have to go to Mexico. Yeah. You know. Russia, because right now in Montreal we have about ten children, ten babies a year, and about twenty-five years ago they have at least two thousand. And the government funds this. Yes. The government pays. Well, why did Americans come to Montreal well, I don't to know why, adopt? Because they did. They didn't find children over there. It was easy, harder to have them, and over here we had a lot of them. You see. And the adoption laws were not as strict up there? Well, yeah, that's right. The adoption laws were. You see, the adoption laws work state by state and province by yeah. province. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it may vary a lot. And But the thing is that it was led by Roman Catholics, you see. And you had to pretty well be a Roman Catholic. I mean, if you, if you weren't, uh, it didn't help you. So some people... Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I, we know that some Jewish people in New York, they, they hired Roman Catholic people in New York, go and hire and adopt a child, and then when the child was in New York, then he'd give it back to the Jewish people. Well, uh, uh, you say that there aren't any children to adopt right, in, now. right now. No. There, there aren't homeless children? There aren't. Well, you, you know, see, you know? it's because of the law. The law is made such that, you see, if. Uh, to, for, there are a lot of homeless children. Sure but there are. The, um, you see, if the parents get in touch with them within six months, they're, 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 they're looked upon as not being abandoned. Okay. So, All see, right. And, the, and many a times, they leave them like that. I mean, people know that uh, that if they see them every six months, that uh, they would not be able to be given out to for adoption. So that's what they do, is just see them every that's six months. That's pretty bad for the yeah. children. It is because it, it, they they don't really have parents still. No, they don't, and and uh, they're in foster homes or they're in what? They're in. Well, yes, yeah, they're foster homes. They may be if they if they have more uh, behavioral problems. They're in uh, uh, other places, you know, with the professional people. And, uh, well, you're you're old enough to retire. Why haven't you retired? Well, Why are you still yeah, working? You're right. You're right. I tell you. Um, I could have retired a long time ago. Why are you still working? Well, I, I'm not sure. I'm, first of all, I think I, you know, and if any day, if I spend a day not doing anything, I feel guilty. It's, that's really bad. Yeah. Okay? And uh, I'm afraid. I, I'm afraid that I won't know what to do. That I'll be lonesome. Listen, be, I, you know I, what I, mean? I used to feel that way, but I got over it. Yeah. I can sit all day and read a book and never think a damn so, thing about I mean, it. You know, there's the girl the other day at work. She said. 
There's no harm in doing nothing one day. There isn't right. any harm in it. Get over you, it. You agree with her? I agree with her. Listen, we got to go. We're out of time. Uh, but uh, your story is is most interesting. You've done well from coming coming from where you where you started. Uh, you never would have expected you to do nearly as well as you have. And I admire you, sir. Yeah. Hats off to you. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Phil. And and thank you. And uh, we'll go. And uh, coming from you, I appreciate. Well, hang on just a second. All right. Okay. What an interesting fellow he turned out to be, huh? When you book a guest, you, you just you never, never know what their, what their story is going to be like. But his is, was a certainly certainly to be interesting that he was able to come from where he came from and do as well as, as he did, obviously. A very, very bright, very bright fellow. And um, he's uh, talking about coming to Houston. I don't know whether he's, he's going to be able to or not, but he... He um, requested all the information, and he's talking about uh, coming to be with us, and I wish he would, he and his wife. I, I think it would be interesting to meet him and get him to talk a little bit to us about his experiences and tell us some more about where he's been and things he's done. In case you aren't familiar, and I'll bet you are, <laughs> with what we're doing in November, going to do the 100th Blind Handyman Show. We'd like for you to come. We're going to have a live audience. Uh, there will be a lot of us there. And uh, we'd like to have you among our guests. This will be the weekend beginning November 5th on Friday. We will begin on Friday. We will have a good session Saturday. I don't know exactly what we're going to do, but a lot of uh, discussion of blind issues and blind people and a lot of blind people to talk and um, tell us things about their lives and and um, maybe try to help you with your life, um, unless it's too late, like it is for me. <laughs> Anyway, that'll be Saturday, Saturday night. We'll have karaoke, live music. John Justice is coming, plays piano. I think Malia Dubay is coming. She plays guitar. And uh, several other musician types are scheduled to be there. Uh, we're, we're don't know exactly, but uh, anyway, I'll be there, John Justice. And that makes two, doesn't it? Two uh, musicians. Anyway, Sunday morning we'll record the... Oh, Saturday afternoon we're doing a cooking show. Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock doing a cooking the dark show. Sunday uh, Sunday morning do the Blind Handyman show at 11 o'clock. And then Sunday afternoon some demonstrations of blind-related products, talking products, and different things of that nature. Sunday night more karaoke and live music. And we'd like to have you come. You call me 936-634-9500 or email me philpartxucom.net. <laughs> Hear those numbers one more time, friends. <laughs> 936-634-9500. That's my home phone number. My email address is philpar at txucom.net. If you're interested in coming, I'd be glad to send you the information. We'd love to have you. The more the merrier. If we get ten more people this week, I'll quit talking about it. Okay? Ten more, that's all I ask. We'll see you next week for more The Blind Like Me Show. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.